this is Adina here with today's episode of Wonder Your Way to Brilliant, part of our year-long journey of looking at courageous connections. In this month, the month of May, we're looking at connections with friends and family. And this week, I wanted to delve into a conversation about how we relate to and connect to close friends or members of our family when they're feeling particularly emotional. All right, okay, fessing up, right? I've had moments this week when I felt particularly emotional, and so it's definitely driving this conversation. But I wanted to talk about how we relate. What is courageous in this moment of connection when people who are close to us exhibit emotion, whether that's sadness or fear, anger, disappointment, and shame? Because these are really normal emotions, and yet I find that there are some of the emotional experiences that make friends and family members most uncomfortable. And at the same time, they are amazing opportunities for deep connection. So thought, let's take this up. So, you know, I wanted to start in this place that, you know, as I said, these emotions, shame, disappointment, sadness, fear, anger, are really normal. We all feel them. Many of us feel some of them um, at some point on almost any given day. And yet they can trigger reactions in the people around us. And what I find most often, what I see most often, both in my work and in my own personal experience, is that when somebody demonstrates in this area, an emotion in this area, is the people around them are like, how can we get you out of this as quick as possible? <laughs> so how do we shift you? How do we get you unangry, unsad, un, you know, emotional at this point, and back to happy, and back to playful, and back to good? And I'm going to admit, I have been one of those people. I have been one of those people who was so uncomfortable in the presence of these emotions that all I wanted to do was to pull out all my tools and strategies to figure out how I could get somebody out of that place that just seemed dark and heavy into something else. And I learned over time, both uh, first as the person who was trying to pull somebody out of them, that it didn't really work. People didn't want to go someplace else. And I'm not even sure that they necessarily knew why they didn't want to go someplace else. But I found I was trying to be inspirational and uplifting and courageous and forward thinking and all of these things. And people kind of didn't want to go and, and sort of felt, I, I think it just created a divide and distance. And as I've paid more attention to being on the other side of it, being in moments when I feel those things, sad, disappointed, angry, or frustrated, and someone wants to pull me to the other side, get me out of it, help pull me on to the brighter side of things, um, I don't want to go either. <laughs> and I can resist it or it can feel like there's a distance or I can get frustrated and those kinds of things. So there's a profoundly deep opportunity for courageous connection here and wanted to delve in. What do we do here? So I'd say the overarching thing that I've come to learn and what I want to put forward here is that as the friend or family member faced with someone going through an emotional experience, one of the most helpful things we can do is make space for the emotional experience. 
I think I've mentioned in podcasts in the past the movie Inside Out, the animated Pixar movie, which just is genius and takes us inside the the mind and spirit of a young girl as she develops. And the story is told from the vantage point of the emotions that are inside of her. So there's a character who plays joy and a character who plays sadness and one who plays anger and, you know, these different emotions in there. And at the beginning of the film, Joy is constantly trying to get sadness out of the way and trying to keep sadness from touching anything. And every time sadness does get involved, she's trying to wrangle uh, the, the things away from him so that he doesn't have too much of an impact. And over the course of the film comes to recognize, sadness comes to teach the fact that sadness really plays a role in a person's life and needs space. And so this response or this action of how do we make space for people to experience their sadness, their anger, disappointment, shame, or fear without worrying, as I always did, that somebody would just get stuck there, that they would sink in and never find their way out, or that they would bring everybody and everything else down with them and not get out. I know that was one of my biggest fears. So in terms of um, process, two things that are something I just wanted to bring up is sometimes it is the time to try to shift somebody out, but I usually ask, like, I was like, you know, do we need to talk or you want to be in the sadness or disappointment or are you trying to be out of it? So the first thing I usually do is either assess because sometimes it's pretty clear or I ask the person what it is they most need, giving them the option to say, you know what, I just feel sad. I need somebody who could just be sad with me or just listen to me being sad or listening to me being frustrated. Or somebody might respond and say, you know what, I'm so sick and tired of feeling sad. I, I want to feel something else. Can you help me feel something else? And then I know which direction to go in. Lots of, sometimes, though, it's really self-evident. I don't have to ask. So if the emotional response is new, it hasn't been lingering around for a long time, something very reasonable has activated it, it makes sense that the person is going to feel the emotion and that my role would be to hold space for it. So in thinking about this and the kind of what's challenging around it, um, you know, at first I wanted to just name some of the reasons why I know I in the past have felt really uncomfortable letting somebody feel feel those emotions and why I wanted to get them out of the way as quick as possible. So one of the reasons that I think is fairly common is that we're not comfortable, and especially Western culture, with these kinds of what we feel like are darker emotions. We're not comfortable in them, and it seems to indicate to us that something is wrong. Like, we're good and everything is okay if somebody feels happy and joyful, but something is not okay, something is wrong if somebody is feeling any of these other things. And if they're suffering or there's something wrong, we want to make it better. And this sort of activates the fix-it part of us, right? That, you know, I, I want to be the one who can help them not feel this anymore. And there's some things that, that tells us it's not right to feel that or it's bad to feel that or it means there's something wrong. So the quicker I can get out of you, the better you will be, the more quickly you will be restored to a good place and the world will be in good order again. And so this is one of the reasons that I think we, you know, shy away from making space for difficult emotions 
I think the second one is that, and this was certainly true for me as well, that we don't know what to do with them. When somebody presents and they're crying or they're sad or they're hurt or any of those emotions, it's what do we do there? And how do we be with a person in that? And how do we be with a person in that without getting drawn in, sucked in, and feeling all the difficult things too, which we might not want to do? Um, but I know everything from whether it's something really explicit like showing up to a funeral or it's somebody having a really hard day or being disappointed, it's what do we do in that space? In fact, I was just on um, Facebook and just scrolling through and reading one of my um, I was in one of the groups and reading a conversation from one of my coaching groups where a coach was asking, you know, my son just, you know, lost an election at school and was really disappointed. And what do I do in that space? Because um, it can be really difficult. So um, what can we do in that space? So before I get exactly into how we can hold space effectively, it might be helpful to understand what and the emotions really are what you know what are these difficult emotions of sadness fear anger shame you know all those things so on one level when we think about the body as energy energy that's shifting all the time like our energy shifts and we feel differently inside when we're excited and we feel differently when we're sad inside is that it's just a vibration it's a different frequency of energy so literally the cells in our body are vibrating at a different frequency there's a buildup of an energy that might lead to something like tears or anger and frustration coming up so without any of the story behind why a person's feeling what they're feeling, we can first see emotions as just a change in the energy and the energy is building up or the energy is, you know, vibrating at a really high frequency. And so we don't have to see it as good or bad. We could just see it as a change in the state of the internal energy. So on one level, that's what it is. Another level Emotions are a signaling system. And this is where I think things get really interesting. Is that emotions are a signaling system revealing that something is being activated. For example, something just happened that perhaps challenged my values or belief systems, things that I feel very deeply about. So if I notice myself getting frustrated or angry or somebody else is getting frustrated, angry, sad, disappointed, it means that something has happened which kind of, it's almost like hitting a, a um, delicate nerve or something that is a sensitive nerve, that a sensitive nerve was hit. And what's interesting about this is how much more deeply would we be able to connect with the person if we could, if they, we, if they shared with us what was the sensitive place that just got activated. So maybe a challenge to a value or belief system or it may have um, exposed an area of vulnerability or insecurity inside. It may have activated a deep fear. And the reason I think it's interesting is because when we talk about really knowing someone, courageously connecting with them, it's not finding out what they did between 9 a.m. and 12 p.m. that really matters that much. And it's not, you know, finding out what they ate at that restaurant that really matters so much or makes me feel more connected to somebody. But finding out why something is activating a really sensitive spot inside of them, that's how we become revealed to each other. And that's where intimacy occurs. And so when someone's having an emotional response, like there is an open door to intimate connection that doesn't always exist in other places. 
and it becomes like a gift. And if we think of it as a gift to be in that moment with somebody and have the opportunity for intimacy, then we wouldn't want to get rid of it. We wouldn't want to close it down. We wouldn't want to shut it down. We'd want to like open it up. We want to really, really linger in it. And finally, like emotional triggers or when we're feeling those emotions, the next level of that signaling system is that it's really an invitation for growth. So if somebody, it's an opportunity, like if a sensitive space has been activated, is what's going on in that sensitive space? And is this something that's really serving or not serving? So for example, I sometimes, you know, we can, people can say things like, oh, you know, this just is getting me whatever angry because I, you know, it's just the way I am. I react really badly or get really angry when, you know, we talk about X and such or when, you know, Y and Z happens. I'm just the kind of person who. Well, I have a pattern of reacting that way or being the kind of person who, but I don't actually have to be that kind of person if I don't want to. So if instead of just moving away or burying the emotion or shifting it to something else, it becomes an opportunity for investigation, it might be an opportunity to shift being the kind of person that we've always been if it's not the kind of person we actually want to be. So by staying with someone in the emotion and exploring it and thinking about it, we open a door to, you know, an opportunity for growth. You know, another thing people can do when they get in their difficult emotions is that instead of, you know, exploring them, they can get stuck, they can start attacking, defending themselves, shutting down, all those things. By holding a space and allowing somebody to be in the experience, to say that it's okay to be in the experience, and to exploring potentially the sensitive space that's being activated, they may not have to be the kind of person who has to attack in those spaces or shut down or defend. There might be a different conversation. And the only way to change the conversation or to get to something different in the future from the way things always are or usually are or how they've been or what I typically am is to get courageously curious. So as somebody who's holding space, you're creating this great opportunity for somebody to be heard and validated in their experience, an opportunity to recognize what's going on in their signaling system, and even to grow. Okay, so now the next question is like, okay, Dina, got it, totally good, but how do we do it? It is still wildly uncomfortable when somebody is like, you know, feeling really sad or distraught and all those kinds of things. What do we do? So a few of the things that are really helpful to do, one is just being willing to listen. I can't even tell you, even if you did nothing, but you just sat and listened without trying to fix or without judging or evaluating or seeing how you could make a difference in the conversation, but just being and listening is a huge gift because most people are uncomfortable with doing that. So the first thing is to make a commitment to just listen and let go of a need that you need to do anything. You need to fix anything, change anything, say anything super deep or meaningful because all those things just keep us distracted from listening to the person. So the first thing is to just really open yourself up for listening. The second piece of it is to acknowledge what the person is saying. And acknowledging just means, you know, repeating back what you're hearing. You know, wow, it sounds like you're really frustrated because 
you know, A, B, C, and D, or whatever it is the person said, and even use some of the language that they have been using. When we acknowledge and we repeat back to someone or mirror back some version of what they've just said, it becomes an indicator to the other person that they were heard. And there's nothing more about, you know, affirming, and, and it feels actually really good to know that somebody's listening. Sometimes we stay in sadness and we stay in anger and we stay in difficult places because nobody's actually listening and we need what we feel to be heard somewhere. So that first piece of just acknowledging, you know what, you know, it sounds like you're really frustrated, you're really sad because of whatever it is they're sad because of or angry, frustrated, sad, disappointment, or maybe you feel ashamed or embarrassed. Whatever it is, acknowledging is stating it so that it can be the experience of being heard on the other side. The third part, third step is validating. And validating and acknowledging are sort of like, you know, cousins to each other or close siblings to each other. So I acknowledge it, meaning, you know, I, it sounds like you're really frustrated, sad, whatever, because of. And then validation adds the piece of, you know what, it makes perfect sense. You know, anybody who was overlooked for the promotion or didn't win the election or, you know, whose spouse behaved unfaithfully to them or whatever would be disappointed, would be angry, would be, you know, frustrated, would be sad, would feel rejected, whatever. To be able to validate that the experience that they're having, the emotion they're feeling makes perfect sense. Validating doesn't mean agreement. And sometimes people get stuck here. They're thinking, well, I don't think they should be angry because da, 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 da. it doesn't matter what I as the listener thinks. Validation is saying it makes sense that a person could feel the way that they're feeling. And it does make sense that a person could feel that way because they're feeling it. <laughs> if they're feeling it, then it makes sense that a person could feel that way. So it makes sense that you're feeling it. You are not stating your agreement. You are not stating, you know, your um, proclaiming that you agree that this is what they should persist with or take action from or anything like that. You are simply saying it's a valid feeling to have. And if they're having the feeling, then it is absolutely a valid feeling to have. So step one was really listening, opening yourself up to listening without having to do anything. The second one is acknowledging, naming what you heard so the person can feel heard. The third one is validating so that the person, you know, can feel like they're not crazy. They can feel, you know, affirmed and the experience that they're having. And those three things really constitute holding the space for somebody. And many times when people are in a difficult emotional experience, that's what they need. That's all that they need. And you can do it over and over again, and you can listen, and you can acknowledge in different ways. You might ask some curious questions where they can further explain why they're feeling the way that they're feeling. You can ask those curious questions might help to um, identify or reveal what are some of the sensitive spaces that have been activated. But all of this, like the conversation may end, and what may have happened was the acknowledgement the listening, the acknowledgement, the validation, and curious questions, and it doesn't have to get anywhere. There doesn't have to be a game plan. There doesn't have to be a solution, and there doesn't even have to be joyful happiness at the end. Sometimes the conversation, and oftentimes the conversation just naturally moves to something a little lighter or funnier once the person has had an opportunity to release the emotional emotions that they're feeling. It often does, but 
um, it doesn't have to. And that experience is an incredible experience of courageous connection. So if there's an opportunity here in this podcast for me to convey the notion that when somebody you care about, a close friend, a family member, is having an emotional experience, you can let go of the need to do anything or any judgment about the experience and just literally enter into the sacred space where intimate connection is possible here and see their experience and the opportunity to connect with them here as a gift that would be such a huge blessing. Blessing to each other, blessing in the world. And so the game-changing question I want to offer is simply, how can I become more comfortable holding space for the emotional reactions of the people I care about? How can I become more comfortable holding space for the emotional reactions of the people I most care about? So I hope that you will, um, if you like this, go ahead and share it with anybody in your network that you feel like would also benefit from this podcast. Try it out with your friends and family. Any thoughts or questions, feel free to reach out to me either on the Wonder Your Way to Brilliant um, group page in Facebook, or you can go to the CourageToBeCurious.com website and send me a message from there at Adina at CourageToBeCurious.com. What would be most beneficial is if you go ahead and rate this show on iTunes. Um, That's how other people find us. And I will be back with you again next week for a Memorial Weekend episode of Wonder Your Way to Brilliant.